In this week's episode, indie books are on parade with family-friendly orcs, exclamation point, and a handful of very not-so-family-friendly titles. Deep themes and a rant or two, it's why you love us. It's all happening now on Cover B. Welcome back, everybody, to Cover B. Yes, it is Cover B. We are in the 90-something episodes now, which is crazy. It's ridiculous. We are um, pushing the hundredness. We're almost to cover C at this point. <laughs> <laughs> what are we, a dynamite book? Come on now. <laughs> no, dynamite would be like cover double Z. <laughs> anyway, hi everybody. I hope everybody's having a good weekend. And as always, thank you for listening. We've got yes. comics to talk about. We sure do. And the first comic, I was thoroughly surprised how much i liked dude it. like hella shocked by <laughs> this one i really yeah, was yeah. not expecting to like yeah. the book so the shepherd by andrea and roberto malinari uh art by luca pensieroli i apologize i pronounced wrong delicious sure. anyway i love myself a good <laughs> pensieroli from that <laughs> so the cover also of ryan showers there are two artists for this book oh even see the other one my bad you got you got hung up on the delicious sounding panzeroli it's true it sounds like a delicious like pastry cream i prefer baked panzeroli <laughs> to be honest see now i'm just thinking about how hungry i am okay getting back on track <laughs> anyway <clears throat> i admittedly came to this book the way it looked and the like internal description and the things i was like this book is gonna be a little convoluted, maybe a little pretentious. And then I read it and it was fantastic. It was really cool. It was really super cool. It like yeah, starts yeah. out super like, like, I, I, I don't even know how to describe, like Egyptian mythology and like the art's mm -hmm. amazing. And it's like, you're dropped in media res and there's like false gods and all this cool stuff. And I, it was awesome. And then it like switch halfway through and turns into like, a lifestyle piece about someone dealing with loss and you're like wow these are two books that i wouldn't think yep. go together but go together very well and they were both well done in their own ways and yep. i was like i don't know i just i didn't anticipate this book being more than like a like a it's the same story you've heard a little bit a few times like i guide people between the afterlife mm -hmm. and death. And it's like, okay, well, that's been done maybe 7,000 times because yeah. it's a common story. Yeah. This is not that. This feels like it's got Constantine Edge vibes. And I'm like, really yeah. here for it. Yeah, I was going to say, it's got, got very like Constantine or dead man energy yeah. going for it in the beginning. In that first bit, that's what it's got going for it. It's got that kind of energy. Um, and it's very supernatural and very like the art style in the beginning bit is, you know, higher detail, higher color, like very like, you know, comic-y. Yeah. Um, and it's like you said, it's two stories. It takes a shift to a story that's completely unsupernatural, which in saying that I realize the real word would just be natural, but that's weird to say. <laughs> Yeah, that doesn't seem right. Like it is, but it doesn't seem but it, right. Yeah, it's like it's weird to say. The but English language. Yeah, the is the second second story is completely not 
supernatural in any way. Yeah. In absolutely any way at all. It's just about a theologian dealing with life. dealing with loss. Yeah. And I would love nothing more. And what I think I'm most excited about is I'm sure this is going to be like, you know, eventually we see him in that second story get to the point where he becomes the like this undead guy who's ferrying people to the afterlife and protecting spirits and stuff like that. Um, but what I would love nothing more is for it to reveal that that like first story is something he thinks of or does as like a coping mechanism. Like it's not real. Like it's like a fictional tale. Like he's writing a story as a theologian. He's writing a fiction or something like that. Um, Or it's just like, he's, you know, so stressed and, you know, damaged that he's having these kind of like, not, not visions necessarily, but dreams maybe, or like he's imagining himself as this character or some sort of thing. Um, And then like pasting that onto his life. But um, I don't know if it'll go. Yeah. I don't know if it'll go that direction, but all the same, it does have potential to be another kind of like healing book, like like we've talked about in the past, where yeah. it, you know references very real issues and kind of gives you an insight on you know coping things. But it it's a cool book, and I I agree. Like just with the you know from the cover, the character design, and when I first like thumbed through a few pages, I was like, I don't know if I'm gonna dig this. Like it looks a little bit too like too like trying to be edgy or too like yeah. you know. uh like very like the darkness kind of comic art style, which right. has just not always been my cup of tea. But um, <laughs> it was really cool. It was a cool it was book. So good. I really enjoyed this. And it I was, I finished it, and I was like, "Wow!" There was I really yeah. liked that. And it was just it opens <laughs> opening in you know the future, and then jumping to the past just leaves you with enough like wanting for enough kind of connections and like yeah, figuring there's just out enough disconnect between yeah, the two that you're just like you're in it you're intrigued and you know i like the character and i like that he wasn't like a deadbeat i feel like too often in these kind of stories we just see people who are like oh god there's another deadbeat parent you know what i mean yeah. like he's distracted and has his own sort of thing going on but he's he's sad about that like he doesn't want to be that way yeah it's just he's what, a dad in modern times. yeah he's like, a he's professor a he's a theology professors and that's just <laughs> academia does that so it's not like he's like screw you chad i don't want to hang out with you tonight you know what i mean he's just like being busy you know yeah. and then it, there's not like a damaged familial structure because of that it's not right. like you know his kids hate him or his wife hates him or his kids are disappointed in him at least not that we see but yeah we don't um, really see that side of it but yeah I, I thought it was really good i enjoyed it um orcs Exclamation point. <laughs> yes, that's the segue I went with. Um, that was a choice. <laughs> next, I want to talk about orcs. It's quieter exclamation point. Uh, number one, from Kaboom, which is a subsidiary of Boom or an imprint of Boom. It's where they do... I don't know. I don't know what defines Kaboom. Because they don't put all their, like... If I'm not mistaken, they don't put all their, like, uh, kids' books or, like, all-ages books under there. But the stuff from Kaboom tends to be more, like, maybe more young adult. Style. Maybe, like, yeah. maybe not necessarily, like, kids, but, like, teens, maybe. Like a YA. It's still, like, family-friendly yeah. stuff, but it's, like, targeted at, I don't know. I don't know how, like, because I think uh, Lumberjanes was under the Kaboom imprint. But then they have, like, Last Witch, and they have Wind. Which so are kinda, both under it, a different boom imprint, it's I think. Like Bendis' DC. Yeah, I guess. Chunk. I don't know. Anyway, um, orcs. 
Exclamation point. What if orcs were adorable and elves are douchebags? That's what this book <laughs> wants to ask you. And damn it, it asks it in beautiful Technicolor. It's great. It was fun. It's a fun, another kind of all ages book. Uh, this one obviously deals with orcs, exclamation point. Um, and it's just about this cadre of orcs being goofballs. It feels like the best D&D campaign you've never been a part of. Yeah, I uh, this is a good in in a in a world full of like D and very D and D inspired um comics, and they all tend to be. I mean, Rat Queens is by no means a family friendly book. Do not mm-hmm. let a child near that book. Nope. Don't even let some adults near that book. Yeah. Uh, actually, you should let everybody buy that book because it's fantastic. If your dog wants to read it, let them. Stop trying to stifle Fifi, Karen. Um. <laughs> Let her dream her dreams. She's more than just a poodle schnauzer mix. It's not her fault if she dreams in black and white. They still matter, Karen. A poo schnau. Um, <laughs> a sh- a schnoople. Oh, I love schnoodle. She's more than just a schnoodle, Karen. Schnoodle. Um, <laughs> what book were we to orcs? I don't know. Exclamation point. Um. Yes, so in a world full of all these, like, D&D and various other tabletop RPG, fantasy RPGs, uh, inspired books that all tend to be very, like, you know, Die or Rat Queens or uh, Murder Hobo. All these, like, very, like, look at all the blood and gore and butts. Yeah. Um, this is a nice, refreshing, hey, this is family friendly. We're going to fight some squirrels. Neat. Um, I admittedly, I, I will tell y'all that as reading the book, I texted Chris because he is my GM. He is my mm-hmm, DM. Mm-hmm. And I texted him how offended I was that I have never had to face <laughs> An a army forest of... full of squirrels yeah. as a main, like, antagonist. I'm, 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 how dare you? Yeah. How dare you deprive me, sir? Yeah. And this is a, you know, this is a good book for fans of D&D, fans of Adventure Time, fans of, you know, just people just looking for, you know, we've talked on here time and time again, especially with like Canto, um, just about how refreshing it is to have like a fantasy book that's not all like dark and dreary. Yeah. You know, and there's a good handful of those out now. You know, I talked about Last Witch. I talked about Wind earlier and mentioned those. Um, you know, Canto is still one of my easy, like favorite books that I've read in recent times, but we just need more of that. We need more kind of like all audiences type books. And every time I get one, it's pretty cool. So I'm, I'm excited for this one. I think, I think it's fun, you know? Yeah. It doesn't like, you know, it doesn't blow anything away necessarily, but it's, it's a fun time and their design of the work characters is adorable. It's really cute. They got little like bun, like little mouse ears and stuff. It's really, <laughs> it's good. It's fun. Now for an entirely unfamily friendly book. <laughs> this book is called Casual Fling. And it's pretty all right. <laughs> so it details a woman who is living, you know, a complicated life. And it, it, she's married. She has a child, children. 
she's, you know, dealing with the stressors of being a woman in the workforce and family life and all of those things. And sometimes she pines for times gone by and she maybe makes a decision she'll regret later on uh, when she meets a gentleman that she works with. And the end has a twist that honestly isn't that twisty. Mm-hmm. Here's my only issue with this book. Because I actually like the pacing of it. I like the character development. I thought it was well laid out. I, I thought it was well done. It's maybe... This sounds dumb now that I'm saying it out loud, but I'm going to say it anyway. Because I feel like there's going to be others that agree with me. It's maybe too real. Mm, I can see that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I go to comics... Like, if I want to watch a drama, I will, like, watch a drama, and I will be very, like, I will orient myself for that type of a movie. You know what I mean? Yeah. But I don't often read comics for that relief. Like, if I, I'm looking for a very specific type of comic, I will hunt it down. Mm-hmm. This, to me, doesn't feel like a casual, I have a stack of comics, I'm going to read some comics for a jolly old time type of, type of book. Yeah. Like, the scenario is too real, too... Uh, very headline, very dateline, very yeah. like yeah, like I don't know. It feels almost too much like a like a unfortunate news article that you stumbled online. Yes, and I, it's just my preference. I don't typically go for that in my comics. That's fair. Yeah, yeah. I think this one, you know, in reading this one, I I kind of had the same. Well, first of all, I realized how damaged I am by the amount of comics that I read. Because I picked this book up, I saw the covers, thumbed through it. At no point did anyone, the solicitation or the pages that I thumbed to or the covers ever suggest there was anything to do with cults. But I went in fully expecting like (laughs) demons and Satanism and like cults and like creepy blood sacrifices i don't know why but there's none of that in this book so if you're like me and that's to say a fool then there's your disclaimer this is not a supernatural book i do think leaving the book i wasn't blown away by the first issue admittedly but the reason i kind of put it on the list to talk about for this episode um was because I feel like it potentially could do more than what its first issue allows it. Like, I, I think there's potential for a decent story, a la, like, a lot of 1980s dramas, right? Like, your Fatal Attractions right. and your... Uh, can't think of any others right now. Even, like, Cape Fear and stuff like that. Like, those kind of, like, thriller dramas that were all about, like, people being blackmailed and people, like, not knowing who to trust and stuff yeah. that were, like, huge in the in the 80s. Um, I feel like there's a lot of room for that kind of stuff. And the, the premise is pretty easy to accept. It's basically, you know, going to be like, what if Christian Grey was the antagonist? Which I guess there is a whole literary movement that could be done about Christian Grey actually is the antagonist. Yeah, don't get but, me started, okay? Uh, we won't get into that. <laughs> but what if Christian Grey was more of a straightforward antagonist and less of a seductress anyway? Um, And there's plenty of commentary to be made about like, the dangers of falling into a familiar structure if you're not ready for it. And, you know, the benefit of doing things like communicating and therapy as opposed to just like stewing on things. Mm -hmm. Um, And I, you know, one thing I do give this 
book merit for is that it takes a very realistic approach. Whereas a lot of, a lot of stories when they're like person is with person and person cheats on person, they often build the other person in the relationship to be a total sack of garbage. Yeah. You know, they, they show them, them a villain in their own, show right. them being fat and gross and all the stuff that you deal with in life. But they like really like frame that kind of stuff. So that almost to justify the decision that the yes. person makes. Yes. Um, in this, they didn't. The dad was a stand-up guy. He was, you know, he gave up on his job, basically, to, like, IT consulting, like, doing IT stuff. And now he just consults so that he can stay at home and take care of the kids because she's never home. Yep. And he's very supportive, and he's very, like, she runs out on breakfast, and he's not like, what the hell? Where are you? Like, he doesn't pull her aside and grab her and, like, what are you doing? Oh, my God, I can't believe you, you know? Yeah, he doesn't, like give her a bunch of grief it, it's it's very much what you said like a lot of times when they depict these people as like the partners they give them reasons for why they would want to walk out yeah. like they yeah. make them like most of the time it's very combative and and antagonistic yeah like how and I've dare seen, you walk away and i've seen a lot of off. and you know this is more prevalent in like comedy dramas or rom-coms but it's often very superficial too it's yep. like Look at how fat he's getting and old he's getting or, you know, look at her versus this hot young thing that's into me and that kind of stuff. You know what I mean? So often it's very superficial, too. But it does seem to like they really like frame in on those negative things. Yeah. And basically building up to the point where, you know, she does makes the choice that she makes. The only thing we ever see is her yearning to not be a mom effectively. Yeah her constantly like shoving her family aside and even to the extent where she like misses something very important to one of her kids the husband's just like you know it happened what are we gonna do yeah you know he's not like oh my god i can't believe you let's have this out right now like let's her or anything yeah he's just like yeah you know it happened what are we gonna do about it you know you do need to go apologize to her but like what is me shouting at you gonna do he's actually like a really cool dude yeah he's you really know good. and that might just be my reading and some people might read it and be like, look at how placid he is. And fair, I guess an argument can be made that sometimes maybe you need somebody that's willing to like stand up or be like, hey, we need to share the parenting duties because I have dreams too or whatever. Like, I guess some people would probably have a reading where it's like, he's a mooch and taking care of her. But F you, if that's Honestly, your opinion, that's a terrible opinion to have. As, yeah, yeah. Like, I read her as the villain. Yeah, I mean, she makes bad choices, yeah. and she's very obvious. And like I said, that's why there's a lot of commentary that I think could be had about this book. I don't think the pacing or the delivery of the first issue is very solid. It's a bit of a weak first issue. Yeah. But, like, you know, again, one of the reasons it stuck out to me is I think there's a lot of story that could potentially happen, you know, beyond what the first issue gives to us. I think this book would have been benefited by a cult. I it, yes. <laughs> now that you say, it, I can't. Maybe I went in hoping it was a cult. You just didn't wasn't. know, yeah. Um, it was subconscious. <laughs> remember, kids. Uncle Chris says everything is better with a cult. Um, <laughs> Please don't quote him. On quote that. me on that. Put it in the books. Um, oh, no. But yeah, I just i I think it was a fairly weak first issue, and I'm willing to give it a pass and a. We'll probably pick it up again, but I do, you know, if you're listening to this and you are because everyone listens to this, um, <laughs> just be mindful of 
that kind of review. It's it's it is what it is. It's kind of more of a life piece. It's like you said, it's a bit too realistic. Uh, and there's potential, in my opinion, for kind of like a sweeping thriller neo-noir epic, depending on what direction they take this guy and what direction they take everything else. Or there's also just the potential for a story about a woman making one bad decision and her life crumbling around her and her being miserable and really no message being there. So we'll have to see yeah. where the writers take it at the end of the day. We'll have to see where Jason Starr takes it. <laughs> Uh, last one is kind of exciting um, in terms of, you know, just generally what it means for image, I guess. Uh, otherwise, it was okay. Anyway, uh, Radiant Black, number one. The reason I say it's kind of exciting for what it is is it's one of the really first, like, big pushed superhero books that Image has put out. And I think oh. Image is planning on doing, I believe I've read that Image is planning on doing like more superhero stuff and kind of building a superhero world again. Oh. Um like they've had in the past. Okay. Uh with like their 90s stuff. Uh bookwise, it was fine. I love the art. I like the design of the character. I like I'm interested enough in what sort of powers and abilities he has and the cliffhanger at the end was tasty. Um solicitation for this uh and like advertisements for this book seem to suggest that our protagonist has ended up with a uh some sort of alien tech some sort of alien weapon and gosh darn it those aliens are going to want it back so there's a lot of potential for cool stories as like we find out the origin of this thing that he's wearing uh we find out the origin of what happens at the end of this book the cliffhanger and we just generally get more familiar with the character my biggest hang up on this book is that I do not like the main character <laughs> because he's me. No, um, <laughs> you <better> not be. <laughs> I, I'm just <sighs> make your character a writer is one of the like biggest tropes you can do. And I get it. We're writers. Like people who write things are writers. And so it's easy to be like, I'm going to write from my own experiences. So I'm going to make a writer. But I just, the second you make your character a writer, I'm like, okay. And I'm judgmental of that character. And so to then make the character a writer and also like an abhorrent crybaby suffering from <laughs> horrid, sad, gifted kid syndrome <laughs> is just like, I do not like this main character. I like his like crazy, like, immature best friend more than I like him. I don't yeah. like this. The premise, the book basically follows a dude who has to move back home with his parents because he's in like $38,000 worth of debt, like credit card debt, can't get a leg up on his writing and his novel's not getting published. And, you know, it opens with him trying to get a loan and being like, yeah, I'm on my way to talk to an agent right away. Well, we find out later on that that's not very true and turns out he hasn't even really been doing anything and he basically moved to L.A. and then put no effort out there and became a failure. Yeah. And it's like, are we supposed to sympathize? Are we supposed to be annoyed by this guy? Like, what direction are you trying to take it? Because the tonal, like the tone kind of bounces back and forth in this book where it's supposed to be like. You know, sometimes it feels like we're supposed to ridicule this guy and be like, well, of course, you dumbass. If you don't put it work into anything, you're not going to do anything. And then at other times, it's supposed to be like, 
oh, we should feel bad for him because he has a crippling fear of failure and we should be sad for that. But bro, like, no, like this is not the tone of a character you want to put out there in a world that's so wrapped in gig and hustle culture. You know, like we got people. Okay, so he has to be an Uber driver to make ends meet because he somehow gotten into thirty eight thousand dollars of credit card debt. And fine, that happens to everybody. But you know what? You just do it. You freaking work, you know, and like you find the things you like to do and you do them and you get jobs to pay for being able to do those things. And if you're going home after Uber driving all day and sitting on your butt watching Netflix then that's on you. Well, and that's the thing is that he very clearly admits that the book had an opportunity to succeed. Yeah. And he's the one that blew it he by not doing it. anything. Yeah. I, so I gotta be honest. I think the powers and the like superhero part of it could be really, really cool. I love me some good alien tech powers. I love me some green lantern. I'm here for that vibe. Like I'm super in support. The actual plot of this book is so silly. Yeah. It's so silly. The writer trope, like you said, it's just incredibly overdone. Mm-hmm. He is abhorrent. And then, like, you just find this thing. Yeah. And then, like, zero to 60. I didn't even know this was supposed to be a superhero book. I had no idea what it was supposed to be about. Yeah. And literally, it was like, now he's a superhero and, on, in, like, a page. Yeah. I'm like, and what? Who? What? What? Like, it's silly. And his whole, his whole <laughs> character is founded on this, like his own fail like fear to fail and like that essentially has become like his inability to take action and take responsibility for the fact that he is a failure effectively is his great power comes great responsibility like he gets superpowers and he's like what if i fail and his friend's like we won't you've got superpowers now we're gonna make sure you don't fail and it's like Cool, but that's literally the rock that you're building this character on. Are you sure? It's like a bad imitation of Into the Spider-Verse. Except <laughs> Miles Morales is like 14 and is allowed to struggle. Yeah. It's she's not you a know grown what? adult. And it's it's <laughs> okay to be afraid to fail. It's yes. okay. And for people listening. It's okay if you're afraid to fail. It's okay to be afraid to take, like, to shoot your shot. That girl you want to ask out, that guy you want to ask out, that, you know, paper you want to turn in, that essay you want to submit, that, you know, team you want to try out for, that play you want to audition for, that video series you've always wanted to start doing. It's okay to be afraid of. I'm susceptible to it myself. I've had to really push myself. But you know what? If you don't really push yourself, it's never going to happen. And if you find that you can't push yourself, then it's important to find somebody who can help push you. Mm-hmm. And making that your main defining character trait is not okay. And then making your main character define himself by like just being too afraid to do anything and wasting tons of money and spending tons of money that he shouldn't. Basically it's, it's, it's funny because like it's a realistic scenario that a lot of people can relate to, but it's not the type of scenario people are going to want to relate to. No. You know, we're not talking about a soldier coming home from war with PTSD. We're not talking about someone struggling with anxiety and depression. We're not talking about, you know, someone 
trying to find a way to come out to their family that they're trans. We're not talking about all these very deep emotional things that people can relate to. We're talking about and are fine relating to to see someone, you know, grow and be better. We're literally talking about a dude who obviously comes from a good home yep. and lives in an area that seems like a good area and, oh, yeah, happens to be a white guy mm-hmm. and moves to L.A. to try to be a writer, blows it, comes home, like I said, suffers from this horrid, sad, gifted kid syndrome where mm-hmm. he's like, why didn't that work for me? Everything works for me. Oh, my God, why didn't that work? And then gets to be a freaking superhero. Yeah, it's it's a little tone deaf. You know, it's it's, it's like a real tone deaf. That's not the type of thing that someone's is. People in that situation aren't going to want to be like, OK, cool. He still has credit card debt. Yeah. You know, he yeah. still didn't become a writer. Like, cool. He's got these superpowers now. But like. That's not going to teach him a lesson. Gotta say, that's, I feel like some of that thirty-eight thousand dollars of credit card debt should have gone to therapy. Yeah, it's like he would have benefited. You know, like what we're looking at here is a dude who did nothing, try, did not try, failed after not trying, did not earn anything or work towards anything, and then got rewarded. And then got rewarded. You're right. Oh, it's disgusting. It's, it would be the same thing as if you know he was like instead of finding the alien costume on the train tracks him and his friend were drunkenly leaving the bar and there was a man on the train tracks who was like stuck like ah help i'm stuck in the train tracks and he like rescues the man and the man happens to be like the head of the company he's got a credit card with yeah and he's like oh you have thirty thousand dollars in debt well not anymore you saved my life i'm the credit fairy and it's like that would be the same freaking thing he did nothing for this he earned this not at all he has no value or merit. He's a loser. <laughs> you know, like he's an arrogant, like damaged loser who privileged is privileged out his freaking butt pores. <laughs> and now he's a superhero. That said, cool art, cool character design, interesting superhero stuff, cool cliffhanger. If the tone tends to move towards he's not supposed to be a likable character. I'm fine with that. I'm fine with books about unlikable things. One of my favorite things Robert Kirkman has ever created is the irredeemable Ant-Man over at Marvel. It's about an Ant-Man who's actually like a total scumbag, uh, shield agent who does things like using his Ant-Man powers to hide so that his friends take all the bullets and using his Ant-Man powers to spy on, um, Miss Marvel, Carol Danvers, Miss Marvel, not the innocent, sweet, young Miss Marvel. Uh, This was an older book. Uh, Spy on her when she's in the shower. Stuff like that. Um, It's a hilarious book, and it's great. And he gets his comeuppance, and sometimes he doesn't. But, you know, that's the point of the book, is that he's not a likable character. Walking Dead, part of what makes Walking Dead a powerful bit of storytelling, is that it's not likable characters. Funny enough. That seems to be Robert Kirkman's thing. I was about thing. to say, man, I'm starting to see a theme with check Kirkman out, here. Check out Invincible. He doesn't make fully redeemable characters. That's his thing. And if this is supposed to be one of those stories, then I'm all in. I'm here for it. They do kind but, of reference, like, if you're into Invincible, so yeah, maybe... But I'm worried because too often the tone seemed to shift, like, be sad for this guy who failed because he didn't do anything. I really want this to twist and him be the villain. Yeah, who knows? 
anyway, I still think it's worth picking up. It'll be cool if Image does a whole bunch more kind of superhero stuff, which I think they're talking about again. That would be cool. Um, but otherwise, I just it's kind of problematic, and tone deaf is a good is a good word for it. So yeah, it yeah. Anyway. If you want more Cover B, you can find us on our website, CoverBPodcast.com, for yes. all of our past episodes, including yes. our special episodes like graphic novelties and real extras and exciting Indeed. things like that. Yep. We are also on social media, Facebook and Twitter, at Cover B Podcast. We will have another episode for you maybe Wednesday. Maybe Wednesday we might try to pump something out, but if not, Saturday. Absolutely. So check it out. Absolutely. So we will catch you on the next episode of Cover, Cover B. B. Bye, everybody. Bye.